talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of those various podcast platforms. With John Mita, I am Joe O'Donnell. Gianni Mita, how are you, brother? Joe O'D, doing well, baby, doing well. Um, yeah, I, I can't complain. I mean, things are on the up and up. So, outside of the Philadelphia Phillies, yeah, they're 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 a crash and burn squad right now. And yeah. uh, you know, Joe Girardi. I, that's that's all. That's a whole nother show. We, I don't know how good this guy is, but uh, that's for another discussion. There's only one team we need to focus our energy on now. What's that? Did did you see that the uh, Eagles beat the Washington football team the other day, 17-3? Or no, it wasn't Washington. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals, 17-3. No, I didn't see that. The Phillies got a win. Oh, that's right. By a 17-3 score. I had a little football feel to it. It did. It did. Seven home runs. The Eagles Eagles tied the Bengals this past year. They couldn't even beat them. Oh, God. Yeah, talk about NFL ties. Talk about kissing oh. your sister. Oh, God. The Phillies Brutal. 26 and 29. They're four games back in the Mets who have played far fewer games. In fact, the Phillies are seven games back in the loss column, uh, which is embarrassing. The month of May was atrocious. They kicked off June with a 17-run output. So now I expect them to get shut out the next three or four games as they take on the Nats this weekend. Anyway, uh, we'll spend more time on the fills as we get more depressed once the summer moves along. But it is uh, it would only be appropriate to spend a lot of time talking about the Sixers today on the Brotherly Love podcast. I do have some thoughts on the NHL playoffs, including the Mark Scheifele hit that uh, we'll see the Winnipeg Jets star for suspended for four games. But most importantly, John Mita, we should begin, of course, with the 10-9-8-76ers. I don't know if you can hear this, but it's very uh, ghetto, this production quality right now. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's the jam, man. That is the jam, but I'm doing it, I'm getting it out there for the people ghetto way. It's kind of ghetto. Here we go. Philadelphia. All right, Johnny Mita. What do yeah, you think? That's... First round, baby, they're moving on. They got moving the on. But and the big, uh, round two, but uh, before we get into round two, give me your thoughts on round one and obviously the Joel Embiid injury. Sure. Um, well, I mean, we started out house of fire, right? I mean, it was just they look good. Like game one, it, it wasn't their best game. They are kind of feeling their way. They were off. They had some time off between, you know, finishing the regular series uh, season and the first series. But it seemed like they were – that week of practice, because people need to keep in mind, they didn't really have that much practice time together throughout the season. It was very compressed. So it was good. They had the time off to get rested up. And, and there's a couple things you're seeing. Um, 
Tobias Harris, essentially Joel Embiid in the one game gets in foul trouble early. And, and let's just – I'm just going to throw a disclaimer out there because the NBA can't find my wallet at all. But the refs absolutely suck in this series. And we better get some new refs for the next series because these guys were atrocious all the way across the board. But I digress. However, Tobias Harris stepped up in a major way. So they were pretty dominant throughout the whole series, um, trying to kind of getting a good feel of. And the good thing is, um, but then, you know, then every the, the fright sets in, right? Joel Embiid tries some crazy acrobatic move, falls down. You know, then it's reported that he's he's leaving the game with back tightness, you know. Meanwhile, the guy has knee soreness and a knee injury. So the MRI has revealed that he has a slight meniscus tear, which is not good. Um, and it's not good for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's not good because you don't have enough time to get surgery and to kind of – so basically he's going to have to play through the pain. Um, can he do it? Sure. I was hoping that the Hawks and the Knicks would just beat each other up. They'd go like seven games and then he'd get another extra week. However, that did not happen because Trey Young's on absolute fire for the Atlanta Hawks, and they closed the Knicks out pretty convincingly and pretty quickly as well. So, But in the closeout game, I know I'm all over the map with where I'm going with this, so bear with me, everyone. Um, I just rewatched the closeout game yesterday, and they were getting contributions from everyone. And here's the deal. If, if I'm the Sixers, I don't think I play Joel Embiid on Sunday. I don't. I think I see what they can do without him. They played with him without him. Some stretches. Some other guys have stepped up. I mean, Ben had that 142-point game against Utah, which was fantastic when B was out of the lineup. They still lost the game, but he played tremendous. So it's just – but the, the good thing is, is the emergence of Tyrese Maxey. you got to love this rookie. Um, I think it's going to turn out he might be the steal of the entire NBA draft last year. To get that kid at 21 was just amazing. Um, he's fearless. He takes it to the rack. And what he's doing is he's taking Shake Milton's minutes away. And he's he's just – he's ready. He is – and, again, that's the type of player you get when you draft a kid out of Kentucky. Like, no – they're the moment's never too big for them. He's just going to rise up to the occasion. He just he wants it, and he wants to play. And, and defense is going to be the key, Joe. Defense, I know defensively with them being down Joel Embiid, that's a huge difference. But defense is certainly going to be the key because that's going to help them get through because we hope Milwaukee and the Brooklyn Nets beat each other to death, and then they go seven games, and then whoever comes in, they're like a wounded animal, and maybe we won't get their best. But that's kind of where I am. I know I was all over the map. I'm a little all over the place, but that's kind of the way I see it. But make no and let make no mistake about it. You know we're going to need Joel Embiid. So I don't I don't know if that's you're going to have to manage his minutes better. But a couple adjustments I also want to see. Okay, for Doc Rivers and Doc kind of got on the Philadelphia fans about. You know, questions Ben Simmons not being able to shoot free throws and shoot the ball in general. But, Doc, there's a couple things you could do to win over the Philly fan base. Number one, okay, never let Mike Scott play another minute on the basketball <laughs> floor, okay? <laughs> That's number one, you know? Number two, okay, number two, 
Stop talking to Philadelphia, going at the Philadelphia media and the fans like you've been here for 20 years, you know? Like, you got to earn that, you know? Can you imagine if they got, like, if miraculously Washington came back and Doc squandered another 3-1 lead? That's why it was so good for them to get out of, you know, to close that game down in the fashion they did because it's a, this team's special, Joe. I mean – I know, listen, they're the number one seat, but they're still the underdogs in the whole thing. So hopefully they can take that type of energy, like how the Eagles did in 2017, and and do something with it. Because I think it's totally possible. I think they can beat the Hawks without Joel Embiid, but everyone's going to have to play their ass off. I mean, you're going to have to have contributions from, you know, everyone on the bench. Dwight Howard's going to have to play a big role. And honestly, God, Mike Scott, like, See you later, Mike Scott. I mean, I'm playing the rookie. I'd, I'd play B-ball Paul, Paul Reed over him. I mean, Mike Scott brings nothing to the table. He used to be able to hit a three-pointer. He can't get wet falling out of a boat right now. But anyway. But you're up, buddy. What are your you thoughts? Do have any more numbers? You were, you were number two there. You had number one, number two. Anything else on that list? I don't want to – I didn't want to cut you off. No, I mean – I mean, my whole thing is like – I just want to. I just want to see him make adjustments and and right and as as good as Shake Milton has played in the beginning of the year, he has been as to quote my good podcast partner friend over there. He's been an absolute dumpster fire lately. Yeah. I mean, he's not good with the ball in his hands. He seems lost. He doesn't seem confident. Yeah, he's got so, no confidence. Yeah. 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 So. All right. So. Yeah. Go ahead. One more. One word answer. No, Joel Embiid or a partially injured Joel Embiid, or a sporadically played Joel Embiid, can the Sixers win this series, yes or no? This series? Absolutely. Okay, so we're not getting any credit nationally, and it's driving me crazy. And I hope well, Shaq that- just – well, Shaquille O'Neal, who's friends with the guy that's, you know, just got hired by 97.5, John Kincaid, Shaq just said that Atlanta in five, he said. Right, that's what I'm saying. They're getting no respect nationally right now, the Sixers, and I don't know if – if people just didn't watch them when they played with them beat throughout the year. I yeah. mean, remember, we thought they might lose the first seed when he got hurt. And they and, went, what, nine and two or something without him to start? Right. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. And this is a way better team than we've had in years. And this is the best team we've had in yeah. years. And, and in it's 20 years, the team that made the finals, and this team's way better than that Listen, team. Dwight Howard is serviceable if he doesn't play like a meathead. Yes. If he doesn't just foul everybody, if he comes in with a good attitude, I don't know who the Hawks' big man is. Is that Clint Capella guy? Clint Capella. But I mean, Dwight Howard doesn't have beef with Clint Capella because if he has beef with him, he won't do anything other than try and fight the guy and he'll end up getting ejected. Uh, He thinks he's like a hockey player at times. So (laughs) stay in the game, Dwight Howard. Yeah, yeah, he's just out of foul trouble. And listen, I don't know how you feel about them never starting Dwight. They feel like he's better off the bench. That's fine. All right, and and if they, you don't want Mike Scott to play, that's fine too. Last last game they went with a small line at the start, and then they brought Dwight off the bench. And if that's the approach, that's fine. Cybill got the start, but I'm with you. Maxie's got to see as much burn as possible, especially when they need a spark, because the kid wants the rock. You touched on it, you nailed it. You can see the confidence. He's like, give me the damn ball. I'll dribble, drive. I'll step back. It doesn't matter. His speed, his energy. The Sixers need that to continue. Cybill's got to lock down defensively. We know that. Dwight Howard's got to stay in the game and stay out of foul trouble. And I'm fine if they use him beat sparingly or sit him game one and maybe game two to give him some extra rest. 
That makes sense to me. I think that's a good take from you. And that's something I would look at. This Sixers team can beat this Hawks team, but I don't know squat about the Hawks, to be honest. They're probably the one team in the East I know the least about um, other than Trey Young. So we'll see how they handle it. The, the Knicks were hot down the stretch, and the Hawks buried them in five. We'll see what happens on Sunday in game one. But I think what? between Ben Simmons being more aggressive and making some damn foul shots, Tobias Harris continuing to emerge, Maxie giving you what he has, and Dwight Howard grabbing some boards and, and blocking a shot or two. You, I don't want to say you're you're not missing a lot because Embiid's a beast. Yeah. But this Sixers team's played without him, and they played well without him. So I have full confidence they win this series. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially, you 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 know, Embiid's thirty points per game. You have to get that production from somewhere else. So does that yeah. mean that Danny Green gives you an you know, eight more points. Does that mean that Steph Curry lifts his average yeah, up mean, another six Steph points? Steph crushing it from the three-point line. Right. You, know, you, need, you need him to contribute three to five three-pointers a night from Steph Curry. And you need Danny Green to be in that 12, 14-point right. range instead of six or eight points. Exactly. And you start to just chip away at those numbers. And those guys are veteran guys, especially Danny Green. Mm-hmm. So this team's not going to be phased. They're not going to go – and, and all season's over and just wrap it up. No, this is a team that's going to compete. We know they are. Um, they're better coach than they've been in the past. They have better depth than they've had in the past. I expect them to come out and win this damn series. And yeah, it, get it, ready for whoever emerges from Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see matchup-wise, right? It's always fascinating. It's like, okay. You know, because Ben Simmons is you know, the only guy in the league that can par- probably guard five different positions – it's going to be interesting, real interesting to see who Doc Rivers, who he puts on Trey Young, you know, because Matisse Thibel has entered the starting lineup. That's what yep. they did. And so is Thibel going to be on Trey Young? Because if he's going to be on Trey Young, he's, he's going to be a pain in the ass for Trey Young. And yep. Trey Young's at his best when he's scoring a lot and he's getting. But if you can find a way to kind of just settle him down a little bit, it might be a struggle for the Hawks. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to play. Who's he going to put on Trey Young? Well, obviously, look, if Sim, if MB doesn't go, Simmons is going to play in that five spot again, which is good because it's going to be like, then that shifts. You know, you look at matchups across the board. And then this Clint Capella then try to guard Ben Simmons. And, and again, this is where, <clears throat> like, if Ben Simmons had a little more diversity in his game, he'd be able to eat somebody up like that. Just like in the last series, like Ben Simmons had Bradley Beal guarding him. Well, Bradley Beal's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, a lot of times because Ben's the point guard, he gets these matchups where he's got guys on him that are like four to five inches smaller than he is. Post that's him up where a jumper. Yeah, right. Take or that. Well, that's that's where he needs to develop, and I'd love to see this in the offseason. Just a couple things like, Obviously, you got to improve your free throw percentage. I mean, you got to get over 70%. I don't know what that takes, but you got to do it. The second thing I'd like to see is listen, develop a post game. Look at guys like LeBron James, even Michael Jordan. Like they made a living off just tearing people up in the post because they were physically stronger and they were just better athletes than the people that were guarding them. And they just ate people alive. And developing good post games, not that difficult. So, and becoming a better finisher. Just, just, I just want to see him aggressive. Listen, I don't care if the guy shoots two of 21 from the floor. Just start taking shots. The problem that I have with Ben Simmons when he shoots is 
a lot of times he's off balance. He never seems to be on balance. He's like taking a fadeaway off one foot or he's gliding. Like, I just want to see him rise up with two feet, square his shoulders, and I think he can make some shots. Like, so, but he, he's going to be huge. He contributes in other ways, and, and we're going to need his lockdown defense to just prove it to the world. And if he can find a way to shut Trey Young down, that's going to be enormous. This, of course, is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Twitter, at Love Podcast. Although we're not tweeting much, we still have a spread the love coming your way in a couple of minutes. I got some thoughts on the NHL playoffs. Uh, one more NBA question from me to you, John Mita, and I'm looking for a 15 to 30 second answer here. Oh, never going to happen. 15 more, to 30 second answer. Come on, Joe. You know me better than that. More impressive performance. Dame Lillard with the, what was it, 12 three-pointers to break the NBA record in the playoff game the other night, or Devin Booker closing out the Lakers, and I think he hit six or seven in the first quarter alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you what. I watched. I'm so happy that the Phoenix Suns sent LaFraud James packing, and now there's word that he might join up with Seth or um, Steph Curry no, if if he goes to Golden State, I I'll, I will lose my mind, and I will well, never look. I could be wrong here. All right, we'll, we'll digress. Give me the answer. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, all right. I'll give it to you real quick. Dame Lillard is okay. one of the best playoff performances I've ever witnessed. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, this is a guy that was making shots that you couldn't believe. At one point, so just to give people it the looked things, like he was on NBA Jam. Yeah. It, it, he looked video gamish. The guy ended up with like 55 points, 10 assists, and I don't know how many steals he had. Just incredible. The shots this guy makes, and you want to talk about clutch, I don't think there's a better clutch player in the league than him. What he did is he hits a three-pointer to drive it into overtime. They had no business going into overtime, right? Then they get down nine points in overtime. Think about that. Yeah. And, again, I know it's the NBA. You can disintegrate, you know, huge – point margin leads very quickly, but nine points in overtime. And then he hits another one to put it into double overtime. So he hits two games to just keep it. It's a shame that Portland wasted that. And last night they get eliminated. Unfortunately, I was kind of rooting for them. Uh, you know, they were my underdog sleeper at the start of the playoffs that I said on the podcast, but he, he's, he's incredible. And I, I just looked at his Instagram right now. He goes, at some point, I got to wonder if I can stay dedicated, right? And I'm thinking to myself, my God, would he be open to a trade? Because I'll tell you what, I would trade a lot in the arsenal <laughs> to get a guy like Dame Lillard on this team. He's a killer. He's a killer. He's a killer. Um, I mean, you line him up with Joel Embiid, you could put me, you, Tom, Dick, and Harry as the other three. And I think it's it spells championship, but that's just uh, It was nice to see the Lakers get absolutely pounded uh, to go down 3-2 in the series. And LeBron left the court early, and then last night they get a late oh, day, and they were down 30-something at one point in that game. And I know they rallied a bit there in the second half. I didn't see how it finished, but I know they got, they got bounced. Um, I, I thought LeBron James, his leadership, his body language, his effort was terrible. So terrible. Either, he better have been hurt or – He's just old. He didn't look like the type of guy that you want leading your team. Well, he, again, he kept, and here and here is my here's my shady my shady um, conspiracy theory. I like if it. LeBron you know I love goes, conspiracy if theories. LeBron goes out, 
with a 35-point game, it looks like he didn't get it done. He didn't do enough. Instead, LeBron facilitated, deferred to his teammates, distributed the ball a ton, stood on the perimeter and watched these guys screw up and not execute and not get it done. And I feel like it takes him off the hook. He knew they weren't going to win the series. And he elected, especially with no Anthony Davis, and he elected to stand around and watch his teammates blow it instead of be aggressive and try and force them for a game seven where there's more on the line for him. That's my conspiracy theory. He, it looks um, like he checked out knowing that his teammates weren't good enough, and if they played like garbage and he just kept passing the ball to them and they're missing shots, then he's off the hook. And Joe, it's so funny you bring that up because I cannot agree with you more. Like, what was and, he and, doing and, but, but here's it, but, but he would but, dribble around a few times and listen, just kick the ball out. But he set this up. This is what people don't understand. He set this up weeks ago. Okay. So I don't know what the player was. Whoever barreled into his leg and his knee buckled and, you know, or he had that ankle injury. I don't know who the player was. But he literally comes out and says, well, I, I just want people to know I'm not going to be 100% the rest of the season. He literally come out and says that. So just like what you're saying, it, it kind of lines up in line with everything that you just said because he's literally it's putting in the – excuse. And right. It's like, listen, uh, if I don't get it done this year, it's not because I didn't want to, but I'm not 100%. So, yeah. eh, you know, it, well, it was just an e- – Yeah, it was an easy road to take out. And to leave the bench, okay, with five minutes to go in the game, to leave the bench and to leave your teammates like that, it's a joke. And when he traded all away all those young teammates in the trade they made for Anthony Davis when he got rid of Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, you know, um, Ingram. You know, those you are say some... it like he made the trades because, honestly, you know he was in the loop on it. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, at the end of the bench of that one year before he gets Anthony Davis, he's, like, not even sitting with his teammates. So anybody that wants to tell me that, that this guy is in the conversation with Michael Jordan, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I don't want to hear about it. Like, Michael Jordan played with, like, two all-star teammates his entire career. LeBron has played with a ton of good people. People keep talking about the Cleveland teams. I'm sorry. Is Kyrie Irving chopped liver? Was Kevin Love not playing pretty much in his prime when he was in Cleveland or close to it? Yeah. So, like, I'm just so sick of people just – and then he comes out. You know what pissed me off, too? And people know how much I love LeBron. I mean, listen, he's a tremendous basketball player. But but when he came out and said, well, I don't know – right before the playoffs started, this really rubbed me the wrong way. He was like, I don't know who came up with the NBA playoff. But whoever came up with that idea should be oh, fired. Yeah, the plane. But, uh, the plane. Yeah. but then a year before in the bubble, he's like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. We should get as many teams, you know, have the opportunity to play. Well, you know, you're you're such – he's such a – oh, man, he's like a hypocrite, man. I, ah, he's just not genuine. He's this a fraud. I poked the bear. I brought up LeBron. I should yeah. have done that. Uh, well, it's all good. See you later, LeBron. Enjoy your fishing trip and whatever you're going to get yourself into over these we, next couple of months. I know you got to run. Uh, this is a, so we got to sure. get moving because you have yeah, yeah. love. I've got yeah, yeah. one. Go I'll ahead. Give me your hockey, hockey stuff. Yeah, let's talk All hockey. Right. Got Bruins leading the Islanders 2-1. Just giving you a little sports center update here. You got the Hurricanes uh, trailing the Tampa Bay Lightning two games to one. Both those matchups went to overtime last night. 20 or 21 overtime games already in the NHL playoffs. Unbelievable stuff. 
You got the Canadians who stunned the Leafs uh, to get out of the first round. They're leading the Jets one nothing. And I'm looking at some analytics last night. The Montreal Canadiens have a pretty decent chance, not a majority chance, not a favorites chance, but because of the way things match up, they have a pretty decent chance to, to advance not only to the third round, but to get to the finals. This is strictly analytics. It's not my opinion. Hockey, uh, moneypuck.com, I believe it is. It does all this analytical stuff, and they have like a, a pie chart. And I was looking at it last night. The Canadians have a pretty decent chance to reach the final. I would disagree with that. Again, analytics say otherwise. The Avalanche lead the Golden Knights 2 nothing. They won game two in overtime. That was a backbreaker for Vegas. All right, I just want to touch on not only how great the playoffs have been, obviously, we don't have time for that, but the Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans of Montreal. If you missed it, it was scary as hell. In fact, when Evans got hit and fell on the ice, I turned it off because I saw the trainers coming out to look at him. Saw he was barely moving. He was out cold before he hit the ice. He landed on his face. I had to turn it off for a minute because that's how, that's how bad it was. You've got people on both sides of the fence, John Mita. You got a lot of traditional hockey folks saying, well, it's a hockey play, and what was he supposed to do? He's finishing his hit. And then you got a lot of people saying that the four-game suspension is not enough and it was worse. And here's where I come out on it. A couple of things. Department of Player Safety for the NHL has been very inconsistent. It's driven people crazy for a while. I don't know where, you know, our listeners come out on it. But when Ryan Reeves, you know, gets two games and then Mark Shifley gets four games and Nazem Kadri gets eight games, I think people are going, where's the, where's the consistency here? All right, take that for what it's worth. I will say this. The Mark Shifley play was dirty. And here are a couple of things that a few people aren't thinking about or I haven't heard them mention. Earlier in that hockey game, in game one against Montreal a couple of nights back, Mark Shifley was absolutely buzzing around. He was looking for blood, from what I could tell. There were scrums after a whistle earlier in the third period where he was swinging and throwing punches. He had that possessed look in his eyes. It's the playoffs. I get the intensity. But it looked like Shifley to me had a burn, as you know what, and was out for blood earlier in the game, whether it was frustration or trying to send a message or whatever. And I think, I don't want to say it's premeditated, but I just know that his emotions were up. You could tell earlier in that third period. So the game's winding down. The puck goes down towards the empty net. It goes wide. Jake Evans of Montreal is there first. He picks it up. He goes to just wrap it around the net. He's got his head down the whole time. That's important to note because partially on him did not know Shifley was coming. And Shifley could have reached out and tried to poke it or could have dove and tried to stop it. But if he stops the shot, what happens? The game ends anyway. So if they lose by one or two, it doesn't matter to Shifley. There's not enough time left for him to stop Jake Evans and get the puck up the ice anyway. So he's thinking one thing and one thing only. Hit the snot out of Jake Evans and send a message and maybe start some you-know-what at the end of the game. Well, he hammered him. And with Evans getting probably knocked out in the air, he couldn't brace himself. He lands on his face. He stretched it off the ice. It was a terrible scene. And Mark Shifley looked afterwards rattled because he didn't realize what obviously was going to be the outcome of this violent hit he threw. But I don't think people are talking about the fact that Shifley appeared possessed earlier and sort of ready for blood. And I don't think anybody is talking about as well the fact that even if Shifley stops the empty net attempt, it's not going to change the outcome. So he had one thing in mind. It was to flatten Jake Evans, and unfortunately did. Good news, Evans appears okay. A four-game suspension, I think it could have been higher, but four at least probably puts him out for the balance of the series. If it had been six or eight games, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Would have thought it was the right call. It's just very interesting. Both 
both sides of the fence. You've got polarizing opinions here because people feel like, hey, it's hockey, man up. And other folks are saying, boy, you could have killed the guy. It should have been longer. So uh, that's my take on the Shifley head. Four games, okay. Could have been more. I would have probably liked to have seen more because I think in some ways it was very much not premeditated, but there was certainly intent there to flatten and injure Jake Evans, and ultimately that's what he did. Yeah, any word on Evans' condition, how he's yeah, doing? He's, he's been hanging at the Montreal Hotel. He's resting comfortably, for lack of a better term. Um, he's going to be out indefinitely, they said. But, yeah. uh, oh, stick tap, by the way, to Nick Ehlers of Winnipeg. I don't know if you saw the photo. It was a great shot by the photographer. Nick Ehlers of Winnipeg, realizing Evans is unconscious and in a lot of trouble, kept the scrum from possibly falling onto him. Because, of mm. course, Montreal is going right after Shifley. you got everybody throwing punches and trying to kill each other back along the end glass. Meanwhile, you got a player that's literally unable to protect himself or to save himself, uh, essentially unconscious on the ice. And Nick Ehlers formed a wall and made sure no skates cut him or guys fell on top of him and could have done more damage. So good job there by Nick Ehlers. All right, we got to hustle. Spread the love. What do you got? Oh, yeah. Well, so real quick, I kind of talked about this uh, a couple podcasts ago. I was talking about I spread the love to this journeyman golfer that just made his first PGA Tour event. His name is Mike Mike Visaki. When he called his parents to tell him that he finally made it qualified for his first PGA Tour event, it was a really heartwarming story. And just the dedication that people's parents, you know, the sacrifices they make to, for their children and everything else. So I thought it was a great story. But it gets even better because everyone knows who Justin Thomas is. He's one of the best young golfers in the entire planet. And basically at this event, Justin Thomas handed a check of an undisclosed amount of money to Mike Visaki. And nobody knows how much money it was just to help him out and so he can continue his uh, PGA dreams to basically play on the tour for a long time. So I thought it was very cool for Justin Thomas. We don't really get to hear these stories a lot, but another athlete, you know, kind of helping somebody else out. I thought it was just a class move by Justin Thomas and he will always become, you know, he'll always be one of my favorites for doing something like that. It's, it's the stories of you giving back. You don't have to give back, but when you hear athletes giving back to somebody, that's pretty damn cool. So a little spread the love to JT. Good stuff. Mine will be quick. Um, when you think of iconic calls, uh, one man sometimes jumps out, especially when you hear, yes, yes. I'm going to spread the love to Marv Albert, who turned 80 later this month, and he will be retiring from his broadcasting career at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Marv Albert started in 1967 doing New York Knicks radio play-by-play, -play, uh, 25 NBA All-Star games under his belt, 13 times he called the NBA Finals. He called the 92 gold medal uh, victory for the, the Dream Team. Anytime you call 25, a quarter century worth of All-Star games, you've done something right. So to Marv Albert, the longtime broadcaster, not only the Knicks, but the NBA, uh, he certainly had a very interesting path and story and uh, – <laughs> You know, that whole that whole thing in the late nine mid to late nineties where he got himself <laughs> in some trouble. But he's rebounded. We give folks a second chance. And he's been uh, outstanding obviously for a long time. And what a broadcasting tree there with the with Kenny Albert. Yeah. Uh, who's doing hockey and 
has done sports NFL for a long time, but Marv yes, Albert retiring. The, I'm spreading the, the love. This is where you need to play the DMX Rough Rider song for Marv. You know what I mean? All right, <laughs> uh, DMX. Do we do we get there at any point? What's that? The DMX passed away. Do we talk about that a few podcasts? No, nah, I don't think we ever. Yeah, R.I.P. DMX. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, all right, Johnny. I mean, I know you well, got to run around stuff, buddy. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Sixers, let's, again, let's just enjoy the ride. Take it for what it is. But I think this is a very special team. And stranger things have happened. I mean, who's to say that Embiid doesn't rise up like Lazarus and carry through? So, everyone, you know, if he gets the proper treatment and you know the guy wants to play, it's killing him not to play. But – I think the Sixers should do diligence. They should rest them for at least a game. If they go down one game or two games, then you have to bring them in. But I don't know. I would try to – the more rest he can get, I think the better off he'll be. So, anyway, sorry. All right, guy. I made a great stuff, brother. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, trust the process, and I'll see you in person in a couple of weeks, bro. You, you got it, buddy. Looking forward to cracking it, and uh, maybe we'll be able to crack this 200 podcast pretty soon. Holla. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close for John Mead and Joe Donald. Go Sixers. Till next time, we'll see